Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest Courageous Conversation and I'm very excited to be welcoming Owen Wilson who is the CEO of realestate.com.au. Welcome. Thanks Leanne. Thanks so much for taking the time. That's a pleasure. So let's just go back. You, How long have you been in the CEO role now? Coming into my third year. Wow. Um, yeah, no, it's gone so incredibly quickly. It's been a couple of interesting years. Um, yeah. Royal Commission one year, pandemic the next. I was um, going to say, you really, um, Tracy Fellows really knew when to exit, didn't she? She timed it beautifully. <laughs> I think if she'd warned me on the way out that we were heading into Royal Commission and then um, a pandemic, I might have thought <laughs> twice about it. Yeah. Um, but look, to be through it, you know, this year, touch wood, you know, we're finally getting the year we probably deserve. Yeah, absolutely. So you you were CFO um, prior, so you worked under Tracy. How was that transition from CFO to CEO, replacing somebody who was actually pretty popular? Tracy had done a pretty good job um, in the industry because obviously previous people had not maybe not been so industry-focused, um, but also within the teams, everybody seemed to really um, relate to Tracy. Yeah, look, Tracy was was an incredible person to work for. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to have just over four years um, as Tracy's CFO, and you know we were um, as thick as thieves, as they say, joined at the hip. Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, we did a lot together, and I think that set me up for the transition to the role. You know, she was a, a very sharing CEO and involved yeah. me in a lot of things that. CFO probably wouldn't get involved in normally. I went on customer trips and things like I that. I know. I still remember um, doing <laughs> shots with you in Tokyo, my friend. That's really where we first connected, I think. Was uh, exactly on, on right. Shots. So, so I got a bit of a head start from that perspective. Yeah. Um, probably that it still was challenging. You know, she was larger than life and, and you know, a bit of a, a legend in the, in the industry. Yeah. Um, but having those customer relationships prior to moving into the role helped. Yeah, and it was what was probably my primary focus in the first six months was just to, you know, spend as much time as I could physically manage in a given new role with our customers and just building up those relationships and getting getting to know everybody even better mm-hmm. from, a, from a different role. Yeah. And then the other big challenge, um, you know, was obviously moving from a peer to a boss. So all of a sudden, oh, yeah. you know, my peers were my direct reports and, um you know, it's fair to say the first couple of months of that was really quite awkward. Um, it would be. But, you know, we have such So a, how, do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's it, and courses for courses. So each each kind of relationship had to be almost re-established from a yeah. different perspective. Yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time just, you know, them working out what makes me tick, you know, how do I operate? I, I'm a very, very different person to Tracy. And so, um, you know, what was I looking for from them? Um, and, and similarly, and you know, we did this little bit of a kabuki dance for the first three months, <laughs> you know, sort of working our way around each other. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's fair to say it's gone pretty well. You know, yeah. the team, the team are awesome. Yeah, you have got a great team. There's no doubt about that. There's a, there's a lot of talented people that um, that work at REA. But before we talk about that, tell me about lockdown. I know we had dinner recently, and you were you were very grateful to be out and about finally because Melbourne's had it really tough. Uh, it, it, it was it was awful, and you know anyone who's who's listening to this who was based in Melbourne will probably you know recognise um, how bad it was. And, and I, su- I, I honestly I suffered, um, and and probably more than a, a lot of people. Um, yeah. I was lucky in some respects, and I had an office at home, and etc. But um, 
you know, I, I'm an extrovert and I get my energy from people. Yeah. And, you know, for six months in a row to be stuck in one room for, you know, usually 12 hours a day staring at a screen yeah. without that human interaction, um, I, I really, really struggled. Um, and, you know, also trying to keep everybody else in the company up that's the hard part, right? You're, you, you. Um, I mean, on one hand, you want to be, um, you want to be human, but on the other hand, you don't really want your team to know how much you're struggling. Oh, absolutely, and then especially, you know, we, we, we kind of forget. It's funny how quickly we forget, you know. But go back to April, May last year. You know, we didn't know how long this was going to go for, and you know, for our industry, um, you know, it, it, it caused such. Um, turmoil in terms of you know having to shut things down and and particularly the second lockdown in Victoria. I mean, we just went into a complete hiatus. Yeah, it was right. pretty diabolical. And I remember in May, you know, our, our people were, were genuinely worried about how long this would go and whether our company would be you know, survive one it. of the survivors. And so we yeah. spent a lot of time being you know very authentic with them about um, well, you know of all the companies we've got a great balance sheet, we've got a lot of money in the bank, and yes. Our markets are being um, really hurt by this, but we talked them through our plan in a lot of detail as to how we we're going to get through this. Yeah, and, and so you know that was a really comforting thing that the feedback from the staff over that period. I, we went to weekly all hands town halls. Yeah. I think I did thirty town halls last year. Yeah, you don't, you can't over communicate in that kind of environment, can you? That that's the big lesson that I learned because I was doing daily stuff with my business owners and also with the REI members, and you just you literally cannot over communicate when things are that tough. Not only can you not over communicate, but you've also got to not sugarcoat it. You know, one of the things that that resonated, yeah, um, we 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 didn't we said look, this is tough, this, and and we told them what yeah. impact it was having on the company. Yeah. Then we said, right, that's the bad. Here's the good. Yeah. We've got this. We're in control. We've got a great team. And 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 I think our team was, you know, rallied behind our customers. Some of the things we bought into market so quickly. Yeah. And we linked every auction system onto our site within within weeks. You know, we bought in pay on sale. We put all of support measures in. Yeah. And I think that that also gave our our team great comfort that we were kind of in it in in, in it together with our customers. Um yeah, that was certainly the feedback that I had from um, from people in the field because obviously people are, you know, they love to hate on REA because um, they pay you so much money. But the reality is you, you did you did provide a lot of support and you really listened to what the customers needed during last year. Yeah, look, you know, we've got, we've got a checkered history with our customers, no doubt, you know, yeah. a few CEOs ago um, I wasn't around but... Um, I was. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, um, right? But we're... We, you know, I think uh, since Tracy and, and me, we, we've yeah. been really clear that our entire strategy is predicated on the success of the real estate industry and real estate yeah. agents. Yeah. And I, I, I made it really clear with our board when, when this all blew up in April last year, I said, now it's time to walk the talk. Like we've yeah. talked about, you know, we're here for the industry. If we don't step up and make meaningful contribution to everybody getting through this yeah. then you know quite frankly you know we're full of crap and and so we were adamant no matter what the cost and it did cost us a fortune yeah. but yeah. we had to be there for the industry to, to really prove that what we're saying about you know um, our strategy actually was true. Was true, yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute because I know people always tell me that I'm naive about the real intentions of um, of REA and that eventually you're going to employ agents 
and um, take agents out of the field. I mean, I don't. It's not my view because agents they're your they're your um so your your salespeople are actually paying you for the service of selling your product, right? So why would you change that model? <laughs> um, never is the answer. Um, and and the, the the reason is, and you've heard me say this, Leanne. Um, yeah. You know, my, it's my view. It's REA's view, and it has been for a very long time that what a real estate agent brings to the process of a property transaction cannot be digitised. Yeah. And that is the ability to negotiate on someone's most valuable asset professionally um, and without emotion and to get them the be- a better outcome than they could possibly hope to get on their own. Yeah. You can't digitise that. And that value um, is gold. And we think yeah. it's always going to be there and, and therefore our whole strategy is predicated on that always being the case. Um, you know, and but what about employing direct, employing agents direct? No, I, I, again, I, I just can't see the, the logic in that. In that, therefore, I, I think we're not aligned with the consumer and the best outcomes of the consumers. We believe, and honestly, anything that can't be digitized, we're not interested in, and that can't be digitized. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and managing real estate agents is really hard. Take it from me. Well, and and did, did I managing property? So, you know, we've had yeah, customers yeah. say, oh, look, oh, you're just going to take over our property management. Yeah. I could think of nothing worse. All, all due respect to you, peace on you. That is one of the hardest jobs on the totally, planet. Totally. And, again, it's a people-intensive business. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely not for us. We're not into people-intensive businesses. Yeah. And, and for us, you know, the proof in the pudding in this is actually happening in the U.S., where you've got one player heading down the employing agent path yeah. and you've got us going down the exact opposite path trying to support the industry and that difference in strategy is now starting to, to bear fruit, funnily enough, for us, not for them. Yeah, um, right. So let's talk about you're, you're referring to Zillow and they're, yeah. um, so they are employing agents directly and they're also into the eye-buying space as well. Yeah. Not something that you, you're going to get involved in either, the eye-buying Oh, again, I, I, it's 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 like a little gift, um, Zillow being in iBuying, um, yeah. in that, number one, none of the iBuyers are making any money no. at the moment. I saw the number this week. Between them, they lost $600 million last year. Wow. On average, Zillow is losing $80,000 on every house that they iBuy. So um, talk me through the, the, that strategy because I look at the numbers in the US with interest, you know, some of those big businesses like Compass and all the the, the, um, the VC that's coming into the those businesses and nobody seems to be making any money. How does that oh, work? It is, it, it, it's all about a promise. And the promise is the law of big numbers in that if you look at the value of real estate that's, that's sold and bought and sold each year in the US and then if you t- take a percentage of that really large number, you get a still get a pretty large number, and so the, I, the theory is that if they can create an ecosystem where you can buy and sell your property, like a trading exchange almost with, yeah. with them, that if they can make a you know, any percentage, two, three, four percent on on you know billions of dollars of turnover, it, it's going to be very lucrative. The problem is twofold, threefold really. One is um, the only way they can really make money is to pay the consumer probably under market you know, yeah. and, and probably get a, a worse outcome than what they would have got if they'd gone with a real estate agent and, and yeah. done the process properly. The second thing is to take away the cost, they can't involve agents in the process. And, and so their first step is to hire agents 
and, and try and do it salaried ways. But I think ultimately, you know, even that cost um, has to go away. And then the, the third thing that, you know, why I would never apply here is you have to have really precise valuation so that you know you're offering a price that you think you can get a bit better than um, down the track. And it, it works in pockets of the US because they've got large slabs of homogenous housing, you know, whole suburbs where nearly every house is the same. And, and so you can value really tightly. It's why they've not done it countrywide. They've gone zone yeah, by yeah. zone. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you know, their, their, their strategy is it's kind of like the Apple strategy. If you go to Zillow, there's one flavour. It's the Zillow flavour. You only get one valuation and, and they've now said their valuation is what they'll buy for. Um, yeah. We've gone the exact opposite route. Um, and and Zillow's strategy is playing into our strategy in that we've said, no, no, it's not one flavour. We will And this we will is in the US that, that you're talking to, right? It's talking about right in now. the US. Yeah, yeah in the yeah. US. So in the US, we've said, don't, don't just look at one price. So you should come to our site and look at it. independent, um, accurate information on what you can do in the market. But our pitch to all consumers who come to our site, if you truly want to get a good estimate on what you can realise your property, you need to speak to an agent. You need to engage an agent and, and, and get it done professionally. They will tell you what you can really realise, not someone who's interested in trying to make money on your property. Yeah. Um, and so we've seen a big, we had our re- a record half last half on the back of this differentiation in the strategy. We had the wow, most. that's great. Yeah, we had the most consumers coming to our site because now they've realised, actually, I need to look at the alternative. And we're the alternative. And we've created, we had record numbers of leads to our agent customers that we've ever had. And that was in a fairly depressed market because of COVID. So consumers are actually realising it's probably a smarter thing to go and speak to an agent. And that's playing to our strategy. Yeah, well, that's exciting. It is. No, it's it's great. And Zillow had such a big lead on us in the US. That lead is really closing now with the strategy of theirs. Now, they may make it work. They may work out a way to make a profit on every house they buy rather than a loss. Um, But, I mean, just saying to consumers, and it's perfectly logical, like it makes sense, it doesn't make sense to be letting somebody who wants to make a profit on it buy your property it makes sense for you to be making that profit no, exactly right and, okay. and i think the reason why they're, they're still comfortable making a loss is that the real money for them is in the ancillary yes. so so over there you have to get a you have to pay a title search fee yep. and, and there's huge businesses that do that yeah i think that they are backing themselves to always get the mortgage in that situation so right. they'll make money on the mortgages so all the ancillary services that go around the sale yeah. is where they'll make money and they may just keep loss leading on this um, to make the money to make, the that other, money to make the money in the other services. Yeah. And so are you seeing, I don't know whether you know the answer to this question, um, but are you seeing a change like downward pressure on fees in the US? Because they've always been um, quite high in comparison um, to what we can achieve here. No, not really. Although Open Door just recently, um, they're one of the other iBuyers yep. um, and losing even more money than Zillow. Um Maybe. They've, they've just um, announced that why don't you list through us? If you want, don't want to iBuy, then list through us. So effectively um, going down and connecting with an agent and they've said you can list at 5% versus the 6% normal cost. So they have um, reduced the margin a little bit. A little bit. It's also worth noting it's got so much attention iBuying. In um, 2019, the last kind of pre-pandemic yeah. year, um, it was 0.5% of the market. 
Wow. Okay. It, it is wow. tiny. That's tiny, yeah. And then that half last year. So now it's down to 0.25%. So it, yeah. it's a lot of noise, um, you know. And, and I think the other smart thing around this for Zillow, if I give them some credit, is that only 2% of consumers accept the offer that they put. Ah, oh, okay. So... Wow. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, these are people who, for whatever reasons, are in a real hurry to sell yeah. and, and are willing to take a discount on the, on, the, on their property. Um, we yeah. just think it's it's flawed and, and you know, we're absolutely convinced the agent model is the one that's going to prevail and is here to stay. We've, we've never seen any movement. 96% of houses in Australia are sold through agents and that, that number hasn't moved in decades. Is that right? That's interesting. Yep. yep. You've always got interesting stats for me, Owen. <laughs> is there anything, um, anything that REA are bringing out in the in the next little while that agents should be getting excited about, or is it just you know con- consolidation for you guys at the moment? Oh no, look, we're always looking to bring new things to market. Um, you know, we we tested pay on sale last year during the COVID, and that was um, some customers liked it, really liked it because when you had nervous consumers, yes, who were really worried about trying the market, being able to say, look, you're not paying for the advertising unless it sells, that was quite compelling. Yeah. Other customers said, actually, no, they prefer the consumer to have a bit of skin in the game. Yeah, um, that's, that's right. They're clear on the motivation that way, right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um, but that was a great test. You know, we've, we've brought that back in in our new contract constructs this year. We've got okay. a lot more exceptions. Um, probably the one of the more exciting things we did is we've formed a partnership with Campaign Agent and Realtor. And we've now got um, we've got a complete end-to-end digital kind of pitch to sign offering now, really efficient. And incorporated in that is our, our new CMA tool, which is the only one in the market that's got demand data in it. So in terms of differentiating yourself in the living room with a vendor, you can now bring in the demand, the real-time demand data from our site and say, look, you know, right now at this point in time. There's a thousand people looking for two bedroom houses in this wow. price in this yeah, price okay. bracket in your in your suburb, yeah. and and so being able to put that in front of a consumer, I think will get more consumers to take the plunge and actually list and, and yeah. come to market. That makes sense. So that's really exciting. It's early days. We only just launched that literally two weeks ago. So yep. um, that's an exciting new new thing we've got coming in the market. And I'm hearing that a lot of landlords are starting to sell their property. Have you got any data yet? that kind of tells you where the, the rental stock is? Um, Sorry, I know it's a question without notice. No, no, it's, it's, it's a good question. Uh, it's really hard to tell when a property comes to the sell section whether it's, it's tenanted or not. Um, yeah. it's, it really gets it's, um, captured in the description. Yeah. Um, we are hearing some pockets where landlords are, are looking to sell, usually where vacancy rates are not great. So, yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, Melbourne CBD apartments, for example, are, yeah, are still in the doldrums well. yeah. and they're suffering at the moment. Um, on the flip side, through most of last year, investors weren't in the market. Um, yes. as, as more kind of first-time buyers. Yep. We've seen a huge surge with all these new rates that are coming out, particularly these four-year rates at, you know, 1.8%, 1.9%. Um, we've seen a big surge in investor search activity. So the, the investors oh, are now starting to come back to the market. Yeah, because I'm, he- I'm hearing that there's more loans coming, uh, being done for investors, but we haven't really, when I talk to the agents, they haven't really seen a great increase um, yet, but it sounds like that might be coming. Yeah, the loans are coming. And the other thing that's kind of um, affecting the market at the moment, 
the banks are struggling with the volume and, and you know, we've got a, a mortgage broking business and it can, you know, out with our brokers last week, they were saying it can take six to eight weeks with some lenders to get uh-huh. an answer, um, which means there's a, you know, if, if and I'll name names, if you're Macquarie who can do it in a couple of weeks, yeah, the volume's heading in that direction. So yeah, right. the banks have got their houses in order, they're going to get market share out of this. Well, that was a good plug for um, for Macquarie. Um, to, you know, <laughs> if people are struggling to get get speedy loan approvals, Macquarie sounds like they're the ones doing the best at the moment. They seem to be the most efficient yeah. market at the moment, um, yeah. for sure. Um, I should uh, I should be on commission. Yeah, you should be. I'll um, I'll um, I'll let somebody know. <laughs> All right, Owen. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really um, I really do um, appreciate it, and I value our friendship. So thank you very much. Ah, uh, thanks, Leanne. Always great to talk to you. Take care. Enjoy your day. Thanks. Bye.